Welcome to the Relaxed Running Podcast, the show that helps runners and athletes in running-based sports transform the way they run. Here's your host, Tyson Popplestone. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Relaxed Running Podcast. Great to have you here. If you're here for the first time, welcome. You've chosen a good day to uh, stop by and check it out. Today on the show, we have an athlete, an ultra-distance runner, I'm going to call it, by the name of Sarah Jayamaha. Now, Sarah has recently come off a 24-hour race victory, um, which is just unbelievable. It feels strange even putting those words together. She came off a 24-hour race victory. You heard me right, 183 kilometers she covered during that 24-hour period, which is just unbelievable when you think about it. It's mind-blowing what humans are capable of doing. So with that said, her history in the sport uh, has been the marathon to date. So I was really keen to find out how she prepared for it in comparison to a marathon. Um, what does the training, nutrition, hydration, recovery, strength work look like for an athlete like this? It's a really informative conversation. As always, the end of the conversation, we post a 15-minute bite-sized bonus podcast on the Relax Running Training Hub. So if you're not a member there yet, come and join us. There's a ton of us over there now. Um, it's relatively new, but it's been exciting to see how it's coming together. So each week, there'll be something new, whether it's a blog article, a bonus bite-sized podcast, um, and maybe a video from me, training programs, discounts on courses and coaching. There's a there's a heap there. So jump over there. You can find it in the description to this particular podcast. Um, hey, with all that said, that's all I want to say as way of introduction. But for now, let me introduce to the show for the very first time, Sarah Jamaha. Well, it's good to officially have you on. We're laughing just before I hit record because um, obviously, like for people who listen to this podcast regularly, they're going to know the story of how we met up in Point Lonsdale. I see your mum and dad strutting along the uh, the, the the bike path each day. So I'd recognize their faces. And then I saw, I just saw from a distance you. It must have been six months ago now. I, was, I remember it was the last day of December. Um, finishing your workout, had the kit on, moving nicely. I thought, oh, man, this she looks like she knows how to run. And we started having a little bit of a chat. And then I realized, oh, my gosh. So you're actually, for someone who is relatively new in some senses to the sport of running, like you haven't been in it your whole life, you've picked it up really quick. And we went for like a what turned out, I don't know how well you remember it, but it was a, a welcome back to, <laughs> to running for me. So I remember it well. We went for, I, you ran 27K. I ran 18 of it with you. And we were looking at each other like 8K in going, man, we're, we're moving pretty quick. We were moving quick. I think it's because we were talking. Sometimes when you talk, you just kind of get into the groove. Oh, it was, I must have been asking the questions because I looked back at our, at our paces and I was like, there's, I think there's little chance that I was managing to hold a conversation at that pace. But we seem to do all right. And then um, we're, we're due for another run. I'm sure you've probably heard in that podcast that you got tagged in where I, I just absolutely – uh, destroyed your last name that um, <laughs> I've had since then. I'm so glad I started my marathon build up when I did because apparently my body's like, no, nah, no, nah, we're going to really take our time getting ready for this marathon and just keep throwing calf strains at you. I I'm, I say this with caution. I think I'm on top of it. Close, close, maybe. Um, so we're due for another run. But then uh, the, the second encounter we had on that path was you were doing your long run. I was doing mine and we attempted a oh, high five. <laughs> and I think for everyone listening, I, I reckon I got like the very tip of your finger and just ran home going, man, like I got to work on my, that was one of the most embarrassing moments. That was pretty funny. <laughs> I forgot about and that. I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't like touched one finger. Maybe. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was very lame and I take full responsibility for it. But 
Man, that was when you were uh, just getting all set. Like the, tra- I was enjoying following you on Strava and just seeing what you're up to because I knew or I found out that day that you were getting ready for for your 24 hour race, which is what Dion and I spoke about. And based on your training, it looked as though things were going to go well. And then I heard the result from Dion, and I was like, oh my gosh, like. Things just appeared to have come together really nicely. Things kind of did come together really nicely. It was a bit of a surprise. I didn't expect to win it by by any stretch. And I think um, what it came down to, it, I don't know if you remember, there was a day, the middle weekend of April, it rained pretty much, or well, certainly in Melbourne, for about 22 of the 24 hours it started to drizzle and it was blowing a gale when we were just setting up our tarp and stuff beforehand and it it continued kind of drizzling until maybe about three o'clock in the afternoon and then it was like okay gotta put a raincoat on and it was torrential rain pretty much all night there was a little window where I remember seeing like oh I can see a plane flying over so it's like the sky is quite clear um, but it was really miserable and and I feel like I just won the competition of who's the most stubborn woman, really. That So that was the day you ran it? Yeah. The track flooded. Oh my. The track <laughs> at one end of the track was just under a couple of inches of water. Like there was no way your feet were staying dry. There was no way anything was staying dry despite <laughs> raincoats and things. So, so what time did the race start again? The race starts at midday and then you run through to midday the next day. And you started in rain, you finished in rain, you had like a, and you were saying it was overnight, there was a, a couple of hours of relatively clear. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. my goodness. It was, it was pretty miserable. See, the idea, I, I find it hard to comprehend. To be honest, I still find it hard to comprehend a 25K run. So the idea of a 24-hour run is is just it's so intimidating and I think this is one thing we spoke about like the fact that it starts at midday and then you run for 12 hours and you still have 12 12 hours to go it's the middle of the night like walk us through the the process like here's what I'm so interested in because when it comes to the ultra stuff I'm I'm so out of my depth I'm so fascinated by it anything above the marathon I go okay we're in new territory here and the reason I say that is because when it comes to pacing and fueling and rest and recovery and uh, I'm not sure what else goes into a 24-hour race. So that's why I was so keen to get you on here, just to pick you. Walk us through it because that's a a long time to run. It's a long time to run. And certainly by the end I wasn't running. I was shuffling and walking for a lot of it. Um, It is a lot to get right and it's a lot of time for things to go wrong, which is what I learned. And prior to that run, the longest run I'd ever done was 100Ks. So there's a really big difference between a 100K run that takes 12 hours, or it took me about 12 hours, and a 24-hour run. It's not just twice as long. Um, it, it, I, yeah, I, I made a lot of mistakes, uh, certainly in like the, the pacing, the nutrition, pretty much wherever I could make a mistake, really. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, I can kind of take you through from the start. The start's really clear in my memory. Um, I, I had a, a plan because I'd never done anything more than a hundred Ks. I kind of had a plan to run a hundred Ks feeling comfortable and then just hold on for dear life, which might've been not the smartest way to tackle it, but I didn't really know how else to do it. 
Um, and so that that was kind of my plan. I started running, had a really detailed fuel and nutrition plan that was kind of broken down into half hour blocks where I was going to, with everything that I was going to eat and drink and, um, and and my rest times and everything in there. And that included fluid, like water and electrolytes and um, gels as well as some real food as, as well in there. Um, I didn't get that all completely right. I was really conscious of needing to try to and the dangers of, of particularly becoming hyponatremic and um, and so I was really aware of needing to get electrolytes in but I didn't do the best job. Um, there. So, the yeah, the first... 100Ks went really well. I was really happy. I was excited to finally made it to the day. Um, followed the nutrition plan pretty well, but probably in hindsight relied too heavily on gels in that early part of the race. And then uh, I think probably due to that, about 10 hours in, I started to get some stomach issues, um, started to need to pop into the toilet every couple of laps. Mm-hmm. And then kept on trying to eat and drink. My crew were great, um, kept trying to feed me and get me drinking. And then I started vomiting as well and things kind of fell apart. Um, yeah. And then the rest of the night is kind of a blur, really. I remember like having to have a few little lie, lie downs in the tent and just being really cold because it, it, despite raincoats and things like that, everything was just soaked um and and kind of knowing that I had to get up and keep going again but no part of me wanted to Um, that is wild so so 10 hours in you that's when you started to have your first really big troubles yeah and I'd say they continued between maybe like probably were at their worst between maybe 11 and 4 a.m where I just really struggled to keep anything down and uh, at that point, someone in my crew was like, I think you need to get some more salt in. And from somewhere, he found this instant miso soup and got me to drink that. And that kind of seemed to turn things around a little bit. Someone made me like a really sugary tea in there at some stage. <laughs> Swell it. So every so are you saying like every two laps after that for for how long? Like how long were you? Um, how many hours were you having to run to the loo and get food and drink and rest and things like that? Because psychologically, that's the part of that that freaks me out. Just thinking, all right, I've been running for ten hours. I'm not even halfway. I've got fourteen to go. Yeah. Um, it's just starting to get. Well, I mean, it's been dark at that stage for a, for a few hours, especially here in Victoria. I it's a combination. Um, of the, the that night time kicking in and just starting to feel like you're out there by yourself, but also the fatigue that that was what I was most interested to hear about with this race because uh, I've met enough distance runners to know that they're crazy enough to to push themselves to a certain point, but my experience has been like that certain point is another few k's. Yeah, well, that's been <laughs> so, my that's been my experience in the past as well. Having never done any, like I was already kind of further than I'd ever run and obviously there were some pretty dark moments in there where I was I remember running around in the rain and you kind of in your own little you've got your hood on so you can't really see very much and just kept on going round and round and round thinking like oh this maybe I was a bit silly to think that this was a possibility you know 
maybe I don't want to do it. And I reckon the only thing that kept me going was I've told so many people I'm doing this 24-hour run. I don't want to withdraw and I never want to do it again, ever. So let's just keep going and get it done. Um, of course, that's all kind of changed now. but <laughs> Oh, you've got the bug back? Not so much the bug, but I learned so much. Like, I, you know, I made a lot of mistakes. I had no idea. I was completely naive. And um, and now I think, well, it would be cool to do it again and try and get some of that stuff right. So what were the – I know you touched on pretty much everything, just not going 100% according to plan, but going into it, what did your plan look like in terms of fueling, electrolytes, food, uh, there, there's so much that goes into just trying to stay hydrated and and fueled for for a run like that that I can't even. Uh, one of the things I'm having trouble with, or not trouble, but it, I'm I'm so new to the world of fueling and hydration. Like I just never really needed that or looked too far into it when I was a middle distance yeah. runner back in the day. I probably could have got some benefit of it uh, from it, but getting ready for the marathon now, obviously, it's such a big part of that that I've I've become really interested in the topic and have learned so much about it, but. But what you've done is is sort of like a, a you know a world ahead. I can't even imagine the the planning and stuff that goes into that. So yeah, like at the start line, what did your plan look like? Roughly? Oh, my plan was broken up into half hour blocks, and it was like uh, like one half hour I'd have a gel and water. The next half hour I might have um, like some roast potatoes and an electrolyte drink, and I just had these little pop top bottles that I got my crew to fill up with drinks. Um, and then it would be a gel and then it would like the next half hour would be a gel and water and then the next half hour would be electrolytes and some other kind of proper food. So I had a combination of like roast potatoes, little uh, pikelets, um, some watermelon, some salt and vinegar chips. Um, but realistically I relied and having done only marathons and it's kind of shorter distance ultras where you, you can get most of your carbs from gels and I'd worked out the types that worked best for me. Um, but I think ultimately there was just too much of, I relied too heavily on, on gels to give me energy. And I think that probably the amount of fructose that I took in was too much. And that's what started my troubles. Heaps of fun. Heaps of fun. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I'm the opposite of uh, oh man, I uh, don't worry. I've had plenty of those experiences as well. Just the brutal reality of distance running. <laughs> you, you always, that's what got wheat bix taken off my food and fuel <laughs> before my long runs. It's just too dangerous. How did you like when when you came to the planning element of it? How did you come up with a plan around um, how you'd balance the the gels with actual? real solid food like did you have any idea of why it was that you like apart from the the carb factor was, and maybe the comfort factor how, how did you come up with that well I I just sort of I mean I don't know if I should even say this because it doesn't reflect that well upon me but I did a nutrition degree and so I was kind of aware I'd worked out how many grams of carbs I thought I needed and I used the same kind of um like again, as I said before, I, I relied too heavily on gels because that's what's worked for me in the past. And I knew that I'd probably get sick of having gels and that I'd need to have some actual food in there as well. Um, but I, what I didn't account for was just how much, uh, probably more energy I'd need because it kept going on and on and on. So it wasn't just a simple... Um, 
matter of like the same formula I could use for a 60k or 100k it needed to be I needed to rely on getting more carbs in and I needed more actual food early and when I looked at the people who'd done it a few times like there was you know people there that had done it several times before and I remember seeing one guy with like a a takeaway container with pasta and pesto just like walking a lap and eating that and just thinking wow you're crazy (laughs) but but actually like he was the smart one at the end of the day (laughs) were you um uh were were you starting to question question your training and anything like uh, when you got to 10 hours in or at that point because it's a really strange event to train for like I'm not sure what your longest run was in the in the lead up to it or how you structured it around training and uh, sorry around sleep and um and family and everything else you've got going on but it'd be an area that I can imagine when you've got so much time to think that you'd start to realize, oh, okay, I didn't really take this into consideration. Like, oh, and we could get into that more um, in more detail soon, like, because I'd love to be able to pick your brain and, and explain to people how it was you trained for that. But um, just from sort of a psychology perspective, was that something that you, you had to navigate through during the run as well? Not so much my training. I was pretty, I, was, I don't feel like I could have done any more training. I did question my sanity. Um, and I also, I don't know if you remember, I was given the entry as a 40th birthday present. Um, so I also questioned, uh, whether or not my friends really loved me (laughs) a little bit in there. Um, but you know, they, they definitely, they were there also suffering on the sidelines. So that, that was nice. Um, I didn't really trust, I didn't think too much about the training, to be honest. I don't really remember what I was thinking about. I know I spent an awful lot of time trying to count how many laps it was each half hour and I still couldn't tell you like I just kept counting and then going oh I've forgotten what I'm up to so I have to start again because I was breaking it down initially I was just running all the time and then probably at about 70 k's I started to put in a walk lap every half hour and then uh, after 100 k's I think I dropped that back to a walk lap every 15 minutes um, and kind of kept going like that for most of the night um once I got up again I had a rest at about 4 a.m got up again and my uh, ankles and shins were really swollen and really sore and at that point I kind of realized I didn't think I was going to get much more running in um but managed to hobble a few laps in there Yeah. yeah yeah what kind of pace were you holding for that first 70k the first 70Ks was probably five 30-minute Ks. I did the first 100Ks in nine hours 30, which I was really happy with. But That's unbelievable. It just felt like it sounds ridiculous because it all kind of fell apart enormously after that. But it felt so comfortable at the time. And I that's one thing I don't think... Uh, I would change. I think that there was really no way. I was so nervous and so excited about starting the event I always go out too fast and I was really like conscious of trying to hold back but that felt slow and easy and I think that if I had started slower the the end result wouldn't have been that different. I still would have fallen in a heap at some stage. Um, you know, I still wouldn't have been getting in the, the calories that I needed I still probably mm. would have run into tummy trouble and I still would have just got really tired and realised it's a, a really long time to be on your feet. Um, Did you have music or anything in your ears? No, nah, no. I had my phone with me with a few audio books loaded up and playlists and stuff. 
Um, and then it was just, it was so wet that uh, the thought of like trying to figure out how to get my phone in a plastic bag, get headphones, like take everything off to get headphones in, put it all back together. I spent a lot of laps thinking like, oh, next time I reckon I'll get that, that next time I stop, I'll get that sorted out. And I just didn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's such a long time. I go for an hour run. And if I don't have music, sometimes I go, this is, this is a long, lonely run, <laughs> unless I've got someone, someone like yourself there to talk to. How did, um, so how did you structure your training? Like, I, I know this is probably something that changes a lot as you get closer to it and when you're trying to prime for it, but like the standard training week, especially here in Australia, is is pretty much like Sunday's your long run. For a lot of people, Tuesday, Thursday, some people Saturdays are your sessions and you'll do some easy-ish runs in and around that. Um, and like people don't really stray too far from a structure like that, apart from, you know, they might swap a session for an easier run or something just depending on fitness and age and whatever else they've got going on. Did you use a similar structure to yeah. that? Like, how did you come up with an idea of, all right, this is how far I need to run on uh, at, a, at a certain point. This is the time I need to do it. Because one thing that really stood out to me, and I think I said this in the podcast with Dion, was you made an interesting point saying that working as a nurse and doing shift work so long is is like a you feel a really big advantage to you. And I was like, of course, of course that would work because like the idea of just fatigue, like the fatigue in the sense that, okay, I need to go to sleep, that starts to play tricks on a lot of people's minds as well. And they probably don't quite realize how how able they are to to be able to push through that level of fatigue. Definitely, um, definitely not promoting the idea in terms of uh, health yeah. and well-being, but in terms of getting ready for a race, it's... Um, no, without a doubt. That, that, I never was that anxious about that. I mean, I know like one thing that doing shift work and having kids as well, like you would know this, has taught me that mm-hmm. like, you know... You can survive being really tired. It's just one day. I knew I'm not going to get any sleep. That's okay. It's nothing to panic about. I've I know what it feels like to feel pretty crappy when you've when you've been awake for too long. You know, I can start to feel a bit dizzy and a bit kind of get some nausea and stuff just from being awake for too long. Um, but that never really worried me. I know what it's like to be awake at 3 a.m. when your body's just wanting to be asleep, and I know how to kind of push through that feeling I I've done that at work um and I mean it wasn't exactly the same as being at work but um but yeah that didn't really worry me at all um I spoke to a lot of people about what I should do with training like should I be getting up in the middle of the night to go for a run should I not and I think uh, I spoke to my coach as well who um he set the plan and I just trusted completely that what he was doing was right um and and we kind of agreed that getting up in the middle of the night probably wasn't the best thing to do. But what I did do was my week, like you said, that structure of a long run on a Sunday, a couple of easy runs, a couple of sessions, didn't really change that much. And I was surprised that my overall weekly mileage didn't change that much either. But what we did was dropped my, my week's normally like an easy run on a Monday, a session on a Tuesday, a medium long run on a Wednesday, rest day Thursday, easy day Friday, session Saturday and long run Sunday. So I kind of dropped my sessions back to one speed workout a week and then uh, incorporated a back-to-back long run. And sometimes that was an evening, like he'd set like an evening long run and then I'd get up in the morning and do the second long run. Um, So I think the longest was like a... 
a marathon that I started at 7.30 in the evening or something and then got up the next morning and I had maybe it was like two hours or something the next morning. Um, and then just coincidentally, the, the longest run of the training block was a five-hour run um, that I, because I've got three kids as well and just happened to be this particular weekend where my husband was away and so my kids are, are not babies so they're okay to leave at home but I got up at 3.30 in the morning to leave home at 4 to get that done so that by the time I got home I could take them to their sport and oh. uh, birthday parties and stuff so I just needed to make sure I was home early. That's when the that's when I know you said they're not little babies anymore but that's when the real challenge starts I noticed that now so I my kids are one of them um, Charlie he's he's not really a baby he's almost three but I, I got a nine-month-old and I know that whenever I go out for a really hard session and I come home like say if I start my run at 7 30 get home at nine or, or a bit after nine and I've pushed it a little bit I go oh my goodness like this is where the challenge starts because we've got all day. I've got to try and entertain these kids. Obviously, my wife is a legend and carries a heap of the weight, but at the same time, trying to navigate that and feel as though you're contributing oh, is, <laughs> is a challenge. Lie on the couch and eat. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. I actually, um, I bumped into Pat, your mum, down at um, down at Pico, the little cafe here in Point Lonsdale. And it must have been the day after you ran your marathon because I said, "Oh, how's Sarah going?" She's like, "Oh, yeah, she ran a she ran a marathon last night." And I was like, "Of course she did. Oh, that's exactly what she has to do in order to get uh, in order to get ready for it." And it's Chris, isn't it? Yeah. Your your dad. Yeah. And Chris is just looking at me, going, "Mate, like I don't I don't get it. I like know. I don't understand they what it is she's so thinking." Cute. But my we were down <laughs> at Point Lonsdale with them the weekend before the race, and like they were just I'm right like typing up my my spreadsheet and stuff. And like a real nerd, like what I'm going to eat, when I'm going to rest, everything, and and trying to like put together how far I thought I could run, and and um, my dad was like, "Do you really think you're going to be able to run 160 kilometers? You know, that's a hundred miles." And I was like, "Yeah, I'm kind of hoping I can run a bit further than that." You know. Anyway, they were like, "We're not coming. We refuse to come. I don't want to see you do that to yourself." Anyway, like sure enough. I think it was probably about 11 o'clock in the morning on the Sunday. <laughs> they were there. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, you guys operate at a different pace. Actually, from my window downstairs, I see them every morning and they, they operate at a more leisurely pace than than what you were setting out to do. Um, so, yeah, the idea of uh, the idea of running too fast seems like a, a concept that they wouldn't be a huge fan of. But, man, when, you're, when your mum was telling me about what you're doing, she was saying it with like a little bit of swagger in her voice. I was like, well, so you should have that because it is, it is really impressive. But um, I actually haven't caught up with them, I don't think, since uh, since that run. But um, So what, they, they saw the last yeah, they, the last they, hour they, or the last they, they were there before the start they, no they came down for the last hour which was or yeah. maybe it was a bit longer I, I i can't remember um but they yeah they were great so they'd been watching it uh you could watch it live and because i took off so eagerly i think for the first 10 hours or something i was coming third overall and so my mum said she went to bed and then you know got up and think probably I think she said to me I thought you I was listening to the rain and I just thought you would have stopped and I got up in the morning and you weren't coming third overall but you were still leading the women and I said to dad like get up we're going to Melbourne you know get up we're we're going so that was really really nice that they made it down I was like oh. so how, how far that is that's an awesome effort how, how far did you get in the end did you say 183 
<gasps> oh my gosh. Okay, so you absolutely you absolutely smashed what you were hoping to. Well, what did you say? What were you aiming uh, to get? You said you wanted more than actually, 160. I, I wanted in reality and probably really stupidly, I was sort of hoping to get between 190 and 200. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know why I thought I could do that. I still think I can at some stage, but um probably not the first time and yeah my b goal was like 175 180 and my c goal was over 160 um so yeah i guess sort of came in somewhere in the middle yeah now that's really impressive i guess the beauty with a 24 hour run as well is there's there's so much room for improvement and it sounds like even just hearing about a couple of the issues that you had to navigate and i'm sure even the best day of any 100k race there's going to be some serious challenge thrown thrown your way um series and i I think the further it is the the more likely stuff to go stuff can go wrong um even with a marathon like you know you can prepare (laughs) you can prepare for what you think is every eventuality and then on the day something comes from left field and you know like maybe you your little toe on your left foot that you've never had an issue with for some reason really starts hurting halfway through the marathon or you know like there'll always be something you hardly ever speak to anyone after anything marathon distance or longer that says everything went exactly to plan the whole (laughs) you know so where are you at in your um in your training right now so it was april that you did the race so what's like a month and a, a little bit ago yeah it was about six weeks ago um so right now in the training, I, I've just had a big break. Um, I was signed up to do the ultra down at the Great Ocean Road last weekend um, and about three weeks after Coburg, I was just like, there's <laughs> absolutely no way. I'm not feeling good at all. I just had the, like this overwhelming fatigue. Um, and so it was kind of it was a tough decision to withdraw but I just thought to myself, like, it can only go two ways. Either it's going to be a really miserable long, long run or I, um, my ego gets the better of me and I try and race it and I, like, cause myself some damage. So mm. I made the decision to pull the pin and then went down there, had a lot of friends doing different distances and stuff and um, I just raced in the 14K cheered everyone on on Sunday and then came away from that like okay I wanted I want to race again now yeah yeah that's good so do you feel as though your body's fully recovered yeah, now I feel really good I saw a um, naturopath dietitian who's put me on some supplements and I think that's made a big difference and also just like letting myself have that I was also really naive thinking that it was like any other race where you could kind of take a few weeks off and then get back into training um it wasn't and I did really need a lot of extra rest. Did you notice for the first like the a couple of weeks after that were you sleeping more or are you just generally more I fatigued? I needed or? more sleep but I wasn't sleeping more. I, I um it happened like the middle weekend of the school holidays so <laughs> I went to bed pretty early on that Sunday night and then the next day it was like right like okay we've got no food in the house so off to the supermarket (laughs) (laughs) how good yeah good old mum life yeah good old that's that's intense now because how old's your youngest he's nine okay okay 
I don't want to say it's it's getting easier because oh, I don't know. Easy. I've heard some story. Yeah, I get I get nervous to say anything when I'm not in that territory now. I just I go, mate. Like, is, does your kid still poo his pants and don't sleep through the night? Like, I win that battle. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, like they mostly sleep through the night. But <laughs> yeah, they don't poo their pants anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's such a relief um so in terms of uh in terms of quantity like during the week i know you said that the actual um distances that you were running wasn't that much more than what you would usually do but what what is that like what are you uh, trying to hit each week about 130 ish i think like my peak weeks there were between 130 and 140 weeks i think just like there was one week where i had a uh, a couple of i went to mount buffalo um and did a couple of races at buffalo stampede so we with a group of four we did the 100k as a relay and my leg was about 30ks and then the next day i did the marathon there as well and um got lost so (laughs) a couple of extra k's (laughs) i think that ended up being 47 or something so that was obviously a big weekend and I'd had another long run in that same week. I think that was my biggest week. I would have hit 150Ks in that seven days, um, which was, you know, which was great. It was good to – I felt confident, you know, you asked about was I doubting my training and and I wasn't really. I felt really confident that – and I was surprised as well that even after a weekend like that, that then on the Monday I could get up and still go for an easy run and feel pretty okay. Like my body held up um, surprisingly well. I did do more Pilates and strength work in that, like sort of from early this year, which than I have done previously, and that's certainly made a difference. Yeah. Okay. I was going to ask you about your your sort of other styles of training. So you're incorporating what did you, were you doing a couple of sessions a week? A couple or of sessions it- of Pilates, and then I don't know. There's a um, American runner, Sally McRae. Who mm-hmm. the yellow runner and she has a she's got an app and she does this bulletproof runner um app and it's just like really short or some of it's long workouts but she's got on her app like a few just short workouts as well so um i'm lucky i've got a little home gym set up and would you know even just come up and do 20 minutes of stuff up here yeah are you in your gym now i can see I, some form of rings yeah. behind you yeah 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 <laughs> Yeah, that's good. I thought it was just your curtains before nah. for people just listening, but I I got a glimpse between that sunlight shining through, and I was like, oh no, she's in a she's in a gym of some well, sort. Yeah, it's like study on this side, gym on that side. <laughs> smart move. No, that's such a smart move. So, uh, like, how many days a week are you doing extra strength work? Uh, probably I would do something four or five times a week. Yeah, and is that predominantly core, or are you working on legs? Heaps a little bit of, core, of everything. Um, predominantly core and legs. Not so much upper body, but I did start going to a like a shoulders and core class at a gym. Um, uh, when did I start? Probably early this year as well. Started going into that class, which is great as well. It's just like some different stuff that I don't do myself. Oh, so good. Do you know Alice Bakey? Yeah, yeah, she's who I do Pilates with. Oh man, she's such a gun. Yeah, like she's is. been on here a couple of times as well. Has she? And, oh, uh, that's so funny. Yeah, yeah, I love her. I love her. Like just her, her general energy is amazing. But then you speak to her about what she's actually doing and. I've done a number of her classes on uh, like when I'll get back from an easy run some days and I'll just chuck on some some uh, AB Pilates and I'll never forget during lockdown yeah. she was running these classes and I'd, I'd been doing quite a lot in the gym so I thought I was a big tough guy and I went onto this class and I reckon there was about 18 girls on there and then there was me and 
I was like, I'll, I'll show them how it's done. About two minutes in, I was like, I'm getting shown <laughs> how it's done because I could not believe. I was so disappointed I chose to have the camera on me because I'd, uh, you know, I'd, I'd come in thinking I was a real big deal. But she's a, she's a little machine. Like, she's a little pocket rocket. Just yeah. some of the things that she does. Um, and she's, I feel bad for her that she's speaking so casually through her, her videos oh because the, uh, <laughs> the, the pain that I'm going through, there's no conversations taking place. No. Nah. I know. I, I'm amazed that like she can even just keep counting. I'm glad that the sound's off because I'm usually like moaning and groaning and swearing at her. <laughs> in the background. Oh, do you do you do her like her YouTube channel classes, or are you actually a part of no, her, I do her membership? Like, the online membership one. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, man. Like I was, I, I was speaking to her. I think the first chat we had was when it was relatively new. Yeah. And I was on her website a while ago and just seeing the amount of classes that she has up there now. Oh, I mean, so I, I actually, I'll, I'll put it in the, yeah, for anyone interested, I'll put a link to, to a membership in the description because it's, it's something that I think so overlooked um, in the running department, oh. just general and overall strength. It's something that with the athletes that I coach, I'm, I'm trying to encourage them if they haven't got some form of, you know, even a 10 or 15 minute practice to, to develop that. I think athletes oh. are so good now. You know, you can do them on demand. Um, yeah. A lot of them she records and some of those Pilates for runners, they are so hard, <laughs> some of those classes. Yeah. yeah. Are you doing any uh, any like things like yoga or stretching or like, do, what is the other? Uh, she no. does a, a, um, a class as well. I don't know if you remember in lockdown, she started this wind down class. So it was like uh, with another guy that did did the classes he used to write a cocktail recipe and then um <laughs> you bring this cocktail to the the five o'clock on a friday wind down class and stretch and, <laughs> and drink um and that was that was really fun so that that's a good um i don't always bring a cocktail anymore but i try and fit in <laughs> one of those stretch classes at least once a week when i can yeah, I don't know what I did the other day. I've been, I traveled down because I don't know if I told you this. I do a lot of stand up comedy, yeah, yeah. which means I'm always traveling down to Melbourne. And last week I was there three times, which is it's sort of like a two hour drive in the car each way. And I just, I don't like even now I'm standing up because my, my lower back's so sore. But the other day I went into the gym just with some general fatigue in my lower back and I was doing deadlifts, which I've been doing for 10 years and never had an issue with. And just the other day, I was on about rep four, and I felt this mild little strain in my lower back. And I was like, "I'll just, I'll leave that there." And oh my gosh, I, I thought it was okay. The last that people on this podcast, I mean, there's, there's literally there's ten thousand people all around the world who are just so sick of me complaining <laughs> about how sore my body is. Because every time I get on here, it's my calf, and then it's my back. But at the That's moment, like the. Oh my goodness! It's I'm see oh, that's the nicest thing anyone said because my wife always tells me it's because I'm getting old. I go, hey, enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I've been trying to uh, just get this body right. I'm as I said, I'm so glad I started the preparation when I did because um, what is it? It's still like 19 weeks yeah, till Melbourne Marathon. Yeah, so I still feel I still feel quietly confident that that I'll be able to get it together. But um, oh my goodness, it's just a comedy of errors at the moment, which is. Like you were laughing at, um, you know, your nutrition plan based on the fact you studied diet and, or nutrition. <laughs> I'm like really cautious to say this because people go, well, why, why would I get this bloke to coach me? I don't understand. His body just doesn't quite function. <laughs> but uh, we'll see a couple months' it'll time, all, hopefully. I think it'll all come together for you. It's got heaps of time. I'm a, 
it is it is a lot of time. See, I'm being a I'm being a type A kind of runner, and you just want it's so true, isn't it? Like most runners are like this that you yeah. just want the dream build up to every race Absolutely. and the dream preparation, and then you'll get there the night before, and your kid screams all night, and you just <laughs> do you know what I mean? I you just manage to tie it together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you uh so in terms of races and, and things like that? What have you got on for the next couple so, of months? Are you are you eyeing off Melbourne I at think all? So. I think yes. so. I'm trying to decide and also maybe maybe there's time to do both. Um, I think I'm going to do – I'm going to do Run Melbourne half in July and then um, probably Melbourne Marathon and then I'm kind of keen to do Gold Coast 50K. And that's, When's that? That's the first weekend of December. Oh, that would be great. So, so what's that? It's like seven weeks between Melbourne Marathon and, and the 50K, which I reckon – is probably okay. It's amazing how quick people recover from marathons now. I remember even when I was running competitively, I finished in 2013. I don't know when the, the first Vaporfly came out. Maybe it was 2012? Yeah. I'm trying to remember. Good. I can't remember off the top of my head. Sorry for all the shoe nerds out there. I, I have no idea. Maybe like yeah, you're probably right. But I remember like the idea of running four marathons or five marathons in a year seemed like a lot, which is still, it still is a lot. But even, um, I've spoken to a number of athletes on here who just put their recovery time, their quick recovery time down to the shoes that they're running. Because back in the day, they're just these flats. I think it makes a difference. The yeah. first marathon I did was, and that was, I've only been running for 10 years, not even 10 years. And uh, the first marathon I did was in really uncomfortable flat racing shoes that were too small as well for me I realize now um but gosh my feet were so sore my legs were so sore and I just thought oh yeah that's what happens when you run a marathon (laughs) man it's a brutal industry I'm not going to uh, hold you up here for too much longer. As we said, um, as long as you're still happy, we'll, we'll get you on the uh, the bite size bonus podcast. So I'm I'm really keen to to pick your brains about uh, in, in a little more detail about what you would change specifically going into your next hundred k's. Like in turn, I know we've touched on a couple of those things, but to break those down. So yeah. um, if you if you're up for a chat about that, would uh, would love to pick your brains on on that because man, it'd just be so interesting to hear like the the real key changes that you would make. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, awesome. Oh, that'll be good. Well, if uh, if you're already a member of the uh, the, the training hub, you, you're going to be able to find that over there now. Um, if not, I'll, I'll whack a link in the description for anyone who's interested in that. But hey, thanks so much for coming on the main podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. That was fun. I'll leave it there. We'll see you later, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Relaxed Running Podcast. If you're ready to become a faster, more efficient runner, visit www.relaxedrunning.com. 